So welcome to Stories Out Loud. I'd like to introduce Jeff Hayden. Hayden. Jeff Hayden is the curator and owner of the Dylan Thomas Birthplace House. And he's going to read for us one of Dylan Thomas's short stories that I think is pretty close to his heart. And that's because he grew up in a the same location as this story you played in this park that's featured. Yes, the story was uh, is all about this house and about the people who were here and Cumdonkin Park, which is not very far from here, which Dylan described as his world within a world of the sea town. And it was a place that he was very fond of and went to a lot of times. Okay. But we're in Dylan's little bedroom, uh, which is as it might have been in 1934, when Dylan was at the height of his writing powers, uh, because he wrote two-thirds of his published work while living in this house uh, by the age of 19 or 20. Um, so it's a very important room. It's a very small room, a comfortable little room, uh, a room where he could lay his hands on most of his books without getting out of bed. My kind of room, really. I agree. Okay, so that's it for the introduction, and then we're going to have a reading of Patricia, Edith, and Arnold. Do you know when it was written? This would have been written in the 1940s. Um, They were um, written later than uh, him saying here, but it's part of a book, uh, Portrait of the Artist as a Young Dog, which is all stories about Swansea and Carmarthenshire, about Dylan's uh, growing Dylan growing up as um, an adolescent, um, so they're schoolboy stories, really. They're the observations of of his early life. Okay. Thank you. Okay, this is uh, Patricia, Edith, and Arnold by Dylan Thomas. The small boy in his invisible engine, the Cumdonkin Special, its wheels polished to dazzle crunching on the small back garden scattered with breadcrumbs for the the birds and white with the remains of yesterday's snow, its smoke rising thin and pale as breath in the afternoon cold, hooted under the wash line, kicked the dog's plate to the wash house stop and puffed and pistoned slower and slower while the servant girl lowered the pole, unpegged the swinging vests, showed the brown stains under her arms and called over the wall. Edith, Edith, come here, I want you. Edith climbed on two tubs on the other side of the wall and called back, I'm here, Patricia. Her head bobbed up above the broken glass. He backed the flying Welshman from the washhouse to the open door of the coal hall and pulled hard on the brake that was a hammer in his pocket. Assistants in uniform ran out with fuel. He spoke to a saluting fireman and the engine shuffled off round the barbed walls of China that kept the cats away, by the frozen rivers in the sink, in and out of the coal hole tunnel. But he was listening carefully all the time, through the squeals and whistles to Patricia and the next-door servant, who belonged to Mrs Lewis, talking where they should be working, call his mother Mrs T, being rude about Mrs L. He heard Patricia say, Mrs T won't be back till six. And Edith next door replied, Old Mrs L has gone to Nice to look for Mr Robert. 
He's on the randy again, Patricia whispered. Randy, bandy, sandy, cried the little boy out of the coal hole. You'll get your face dirty and I'll kill you, Patricia said absent-mindedly. She did not try to stop him when he climbed up the coal heap. He stood quietly on the top of the coal, king of the coal castle, his head touching the roof and listening to the worried voices of the girls. Patricia was almost in tears. Edith was sobbing and rocking on the unsteady tubs. I'm standing on top of the coal, he said, and waited for Patricia's anger. She said, I don't want to see him. You go alone. We must go together, said Edith. I've got to know. I don't want to know. I can't stand it, Patricia. We must go with me. You go alone. He's waiting for you. Please, Patricia. I'm lying on my face in the coal, said the boy. No, it's your day with him. I don't want to know. I just want to think he loves me. Oh, talk sense, Patricia. Please, will you come with me or no? i got to hear what he says. All right, then. In half an hour, I'll shout over the wall. You better come soon, the boy said. I'm dirty as Christ knows what. Patricia ran to the coal hole. The language, come out of there at once, she said. The tubs began to slide and Edith vanished. Don't you dare use language like that again. Oh, your suit. Patricia took him indoors. She made him change his suit in front of her. Otherwise, there's no telling. He took off his trousers and danced around her, crying, Look at me, Patricia. You'll be decent, she said, or I won't take you to the park. Am I going to the park? Yes, we'll all go into the park, you and me and Edith next door. He dressed himself neatly, not to annoy her, and spat on his hands before parting his hair. She appeared not to notice his silence and neatness. Her large hands were clasped together. She stared down at the white brooch on her chest. She was a tall, thick girl with awkward hands, and her fingers were like toes. Her shoulders were as wide as a man's. Am I satisfactory? he asked. Oh, that's a long word, she said, and looked at him lovingly. She lifted him up and seated him on top of the chest of drawers. Now you're as tall as I am. But I'm not so old, he said. He knew that this was an afternoon on which anything might happen. It might snow enough for sliding on a tray. Uncles from America, where he had no uncles, might arrive with revolvers and St Bernard's. Ferguson shop might catch fire and all the peace packets fall under the pavement. And he was not surprised when she put her black straight-haired heavy head on his shoulder and whispered into his collar, Arnold, Arnold Matthews. There, there, he said, and rubbed a part in with his finger and winked at himself in the mirror behind her and looked down her dress at the back. Are you crying? No. Yes, you are. I can feel the wet. She dried her eyes on her sleeves. Don't you tell on that I was crying. I'll tell everybody. I'll tell Mrs T and Mrs L. I'll tell the policeman, and Edith, and my dad, and Mr Chapman. Patricia was crying on my shoulder like an Annie goat. She cried for two hours. She cried enough to fill a kettle. I won't really, he said. <laughs> as soon as he and Patricia and Edith set off for the park, it began to snow.
big flakes unexpectedly fell on the rocky hill and the sky grew dark as dusk though it was only three in the afternoon. Another boy, somewhere in the allotments behind the houses, shouted as the first flakes fell. Mrs Ockie Evans opened the top bay windows of Springmead and thrust her head and hands out as though to catch the snow. He waited without revolt for Patricia to say, Quick, hurry back, it's snowing! And to, the, and to pack him in out of the day before his feet were wet. Patricia can't have seen the snow, he thought at the top of the hill, though it was falling heavily, sweeping her face, covering a black hat. He dared not speak for fear of waking her, as they turned the corner into the road that led down to the park. He lagged behind to take his cap off and catch the snow in his mouth. Put your cap on, said Patricia. Do you want to catch you death or cold? She tucked his muffler inside his coat and said to Edith, Will he be there in the snow, do you think? He's bound to be there, isn't he? He was all there on Wednesday, wet or fine. The tip of her nose was red. Her cheeks glowed like coals. She looked handsomer in the snow than in the summer, when her hair would lie limp on her wet forehead and a warm patch spread on her back. He'll be there, Edith said. One Friday it was pelting down, and he was there. He hadn't got anywhere else to go. He's always there. Poor Arnold. She looked white and tidy in a coat with a fur piece, and twice as small as Patricia. She stepped, stepped through the thick snow as though she was going shopping. Wonders will never cease, he said aloud to himself. This was Patricia letting him walk in the snow. This was striding along in a storm with two big girls. He sat down in the road. I'm on a sledge. Pull me, Patricia. Pull me like an Eskimo. Up you get, you moochin. I'll take you home. He saw that she did not mean it. Lovely Patricia, beautiful Patricia. He said, pull me along on my bottom. Any more dirty words and you'll know who I'll tell. Arnold Matthews, he said. Patricia and Edith grew closer together. He notices everything, Patricia whispered. Edith said, I'm glad I haven't got you a job. Oh, said Patricia, catching him by the hand and pressing it on her arm. I wouldn't change him for the world. He ran down the gravel path onto the upper walk of the park. I'm spoilt, he shouted. I'm spoilt. Patricia spoils me. Soon the park will be white all over. Already the trees were blurred around the reservoir and the fountain, and the training college on the gorse hill was hidden by the cloud. Patricia and Edith took the steep path down to the shelter. Following on the forbidden grass, he slid past them, straight into a bare bush, but the bump and the pricks left him shouting and unheard. The girls gossiped sadly now. They shook their coats in the deserted shelter, scattered snow on the seats, and sat down close together, still outside the bowling club window. Oh, we're only just in time, said Edith. It's hard to be punctual in the snow. Can I play by ear? Patricia nodded. Play quietly then. Don't be rough with the snow. Snow, 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 he said, and scooped it out of the gutter and made a small ball. Perhaps he's found a job, Patricia said. Not Arnold. What, he doesn't come at all. He's bound to come, Patricia. Don't say things like that. Have you brought your letters? They're in my bag. 
How many have you got? No, how many have you got, Edith? I haven't counted. Show me one of yours, Patricia said. He was used to them talking by this time. They were old and cuckoo, sitting in the empty shelter, snobbing, sobbing over nothing. Patricia was reading a letter and moving her lips. He told me that too, she said. That I was his star. Did he bring, begin, dear heart? Oh, always dear heart. Edith broke into real loud tears. With a snowball in his hand, he watched her sway on the seat and hid her face in Patricia's snowy coat. Patricia said, patting and calming Edith, rocking her head, I'll give him a piece of my mind when he comes. When who comes? He threw the snowball into the silently driving fall. Edith crying in the deaf, deadened park was clear and thin as a whistle and disowning the soft girls and standing away from them in case a stranger passed, a man with boots to his size or a sneering bigger boy from the uplands. He piled the snow against the wire of the tennis court and thrust his hand into the snow like a baker making bread. As he delved and moulded the snow into loaves, saying under his breath, This is the way it's done, ladies and gentlemen. Edith raised her head and said, Oh, Patricia, promise me, don't be cross with him. Let's all be quiet and friendly. Right in dear heart to both of us, said Patricia. Did he ever take his shoes off and pull your toes and... No, no, he mustn't go on. He mustn't speak like that. Edith put her fingers to her cheeks. Oh, yes, he did, she said. Somebody's pulling Edith's toes, he said to himself, and ran round the other side of the shelter, chuckling. Edith went to market. Edith went to market. He laughed out loud and stopped at the sight of a young man without an overcoat sitting in the corner seat and cupping his hands and blowing into them. The young man wore a white muffler and a check cap. When he saw the boy, he pulled his cap down over his eyes. His hands were blue pale, his hands were pale blue, and the ends of his fingers yellow. The boy ran back to Patricia. Patricia, there's a man, he cried. Where's there a man? On the other side of the shelter. He hadn't got an overcoat, and he's blowing on his hands like this. Edith jumped up. It's Arnold. Arnold Matthews, Arnold Matthews, we know you're there. Patricia called around the shelter. And after a long minute, the young man raised his cap and, smiling, appeared at the corner and leant against a wooden pillar. The trousers of his sleek blue suit were wide at the bottoms. The shoulders were high and hard and sharp at the ends. His pointed patent shoes were shining. A red handkerchief stuck from his breast pocket. He had not been out in the snow. Fancy you two knowing each other, he said loudly facing the red-eyed girls and the motionless, open-mouthed boy who stood at Patricia's side with his pockets full of snowballs. Patricia tossed her head and a hat fell over one eye. As she straightened her hat, You come here and sit here, Arnold Matthews. You've got some questions to answer, she said in her washing day voice. Edith clutched at her arm. Oh, Patricia, you promised. She picked to the edge of her handkerchief. A tear rolled down her cheek. Arnold said softly then, tell the little boy to run away. The boy ran round the shelter once and returned to hear Edith say, there's a hole in your elbow, Arnold. 
and to see the young man kicking the snow at his feet and staring at the names and hearts cut on the wall behind the girls' heads. Who do you walk out with on Wednesdays? Patricia asked. Her clumsy hands held Edith's letters close to the sprinkled folds of her chest. You, Patricia. Who do you walk out with on Fridays? With Edith, Patricia. He said to the boy, Here, son, will you roll a snowball as big as a football? Yes, as big as two footballs. Arnold turned back to Edith and said, How do you come to know Patricia Davis? You work in Bridwell. I just started working in Cumdonkin, she said, and I haven't seen you since to tell you. I was going to tell you today, but I found out. How could you, Arnold? And me on my afternoon off and Patricia on Wednesdays. The snowball had turned into a short snowman with lopsided, dirty head and a face full of twigs, wearing a boy's cap and smoking a pencil. Oh, you mean no arm? said Arnold. I love you both. Edith screamed. The boy jumped forward and the snowman with a broken back collapsed. Don't tell you lies. How could you love both of us? Edith cried, shaking her handbag at Arnold. The bag snapped open and a bundle of letters fell on the snow. Don't you dare pick up those letters, Patricia said. Arnold did not move. The boy was searching for his pencil in the snowman's ruins. You make your choice, Arnold Matthews, here and now. Her or me, said Edith. Patricia turned her back to him. Edith, with her bag in her hand, hanging open, stood still. The sweeping snow turned up the top page of a letter. You too, he said. You go off the handle. Sit down and talk. Don't cry like that, Edith. Hundreds of men love more than one woman. You're always reading about it. Give us a chance, Edith. There's a girl. Patricia looked at the hearts and arrows and the old names. Edith saw the letters curl. It's you, Patricia, said Arnold. Still Patricia stood, turning away from him. Edith opened her mouth to cry, and he put a finger to his lips. He made the shape of a whisper too soft for Patricia to hear. The boy watched him soothing and promising Edith, but she screamed again and ran out of the shelter and down the path, a handbag beating against her side. Patricia, he said, turn round to me. I had to say it. It's you, Patricia. The boy bent over the snowman and found his pencil driven through its head. When he stood up, he saw Patricia and Arnold arm in arm. Snow dripped through his pockets. Snow melted his shoes. Snow trickled down his collar into his vest. Oh, look at you now, said Patricia, rushing to him and holding him by the hands. You're wringing wet. Only a bit of snow, said Arnold, suddenly all alone in the shelter. Bit of snow indeed. He's cold as ice and his feet are like sponges. Come on home at once. The three of them climbed the path to the upper walk and Patricia's footprints were large as a horse's in the thickening snow. Look, you can see our house. It's got a white roof. We'll be there, ducky, soon. I'd rather stay out to make a snowman like Arnold Matthews. Ah, shush. Your mother'd be waiting. You must come home. 
no, she won't. She's gone on a randy with Mr. Robert. Randy, Sandy, Bandy. You know very well she's shopping with Mrs. Partridge. You mustn't tell wicked lies. Well, Aunt Matthews told lies. He said he loved you better than Edith. And he whispered behind your back to her. Oh, I swear I didn't, Patricia. I don't love Edith at all. Patricia stopped walking. You don't love Edith? No, I told you it's you. I don't love her at all, he said. Oh my God, what a day. Don't you believe me? It's you, Patricia. Edith isn't anything. I just used to meet her. I'm always in the park. But you told her you loved her. The boy stood bewildered between them. Why was Patricia so angry and serious? Her face was flushed and her eyes shone. Her chest moved up and down. He saw the long black hairs on her leg through a tear in her stockings. Her leg was as big as my middle, he thought. I'm cold. I want tea. I got snow in my fly. Arnold backed slowly down the path. I had to tell her that or she wouldn't have gone away. I had to, Patricia. You saw what she was like. I ate her. Cross my heart. Bang, bang, cried the boy. Patricia was smacking Arnold, tugging at his muffler, knocking him with her elbows. She pummeled him down the path and shouted at the top of her voice. I'll teach you to lie to Edith, you pig, you black. I'll teach you to break her heart. He shielded his face from her blows as he staggered back. Patricia, Patricia, don't hit me. There's people. As Arnold fell, two women with umbrellas up peered through the whirling snow from behind a bush. Patricia stood over him. You lie to her and you lie to me. Get up, Arnold Matthews. He rose and set his muffler straight and wiped his eyes with his red handkerchief, raised his cap and walked towards the shelter. And as for you, Patricia said, turning to the watching women, you should be ashamed of yourself, two old women playing about in the snow. They dodged behind the bush. Patricia and the boy climbed hand in hand back to the upper walk. Oh, I've left my cap by the snowman, he remembered. It's my cap with the Tottenham colours. Run back quickly, she said. You can't get any wetter than you are. He found his cap half hidden under snow. In the corner of the shelter, Arnold sat reading the letters that Edith had dropped, turning the wet pages slowly. He did not see the boy, and the boy behind a pillar did not interrupt him. Arnold read the letter carefully. You've been a long time finding your cap, Patricia said. Did you see the young man? No, he was gone. At home in the warm living room, Patricia made him change his clothes again. He held his hands in front of the fire and soon they began to hurt. My hands are on fire, he told her. And my toes, and my face. After she had comforted him, she said, there, that's better. The hurting's gone. You won't call the king your uncle in a minute. She was bustling about in the room. Now we've all had a good cry today. <laughs>